media. As consumers, we are bombarded by it at every turn, like the Incredible Hulk being bombarded by gamma rays. But what makes some media endure, while others are banished to the forgotten black hole of obscurity, never to be heard from again? Who or what decides this? Hetero life mate Steve and Yehel want to know, and they want to know now. This is Obscurity Now. now, 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 now. And what's up, Obscurians? It's time for another episode of Obscurity Now, the show where we take a look at weird and almost forgotten pieces of media, and then we decide they should be remembered for all of human history or tossed in the black hole of obscurity, never to be heard from again. My name is Steve, and with me, he's known as the Guardian of Tampa, Florida. It's... Yeah, hell. Uh, how are you doing, Steven? <laughs> I'm doing great, feeling good, ready to talk about some uh, cheesy 90s comics. How about yourself? Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I don't know if I'm excited to talk about this, but I am prepared to discuss it. Um, so this is labeled, I, I noticed in the copyright, it says 2014, but that's got to be like the digital version, obviously. Uh, based uh, on the art and the low, low price of $1 on the cover. <laughs> right. No, no, they jacked up uh, uh, the, uh, the, they lowered the price because Jim Valentino was working on it. <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> I you like Jim Valentino. I do, I do. It's a, I mean, you know, I do. Uh, if you want to hear more about Jim Valentino, make sure you check out our uh, review of Shadowhawk number one. Uh, from, I don't know, many episodes I'm so, I'm ago. I'm sorry that they couldn't get Rob Liefeld to uh, do this one too, Steve. Uh, <laughs> I know that's, he's obviously our boy. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I look at Valentino the same way I look at Liefeld, pretty much. Um, really? Yeah, yeah, I mean, all right, so Rob Liefeld's a little bit higher. Valentino is almost, at least from this book, and this is already going into spoiler territory. What do you mean higher? Like, uh, hi Well, I mean, he's... I would say he's like just your got a personal. Yeah. Um, the pantheon oh. of, I guess, of image founders. I mean, obviously, Rob Liefeld is above Jim Valentino. I mean, you got to agree with me there, right? But I mean, I, I do. But I, do you mean like as in your personal preference of art style or? Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, just how prolific they were. Or, um, yeah, I would I mean, take. Maybe prolific not the right word. But, uh, <laughs> I would take. Visible. <laughs> I would take Liefeld's art or over Valentino's art but i would take valentino's writing over liefeld's writing uh interesting okay yeah. i mean there, just because there's a little more to it in this book i would say there's too much to it yeah uh, <laughs> i was just gonna say i wish uh he would have uh used less words yeah uh, this is sure. a, a very uh, uh dense uh comic book it's a very expository almost uh, along the lines of a wetworks number one uh to reference yeah, even I, more I, image stuff uh yeah yeah i see where mark silvestri got his inspiration from but uh oh no no you got it wrong I, wilts wilts portasio wilts, wilts portasio yeah, yeah, i'm yeah. sorry i apologize but uh just to uh clarify what we're talking about today uh for everyone we are discussing guardians of the galaxy uh number one um from 1990 and uh i don't know if you were asking yourself this question uh you but uh before we get to the comic uh, or the cover at least uh everyone's gonna go why doesn't this look like the movies? Where's Rocket Raccoon? Where's uh, Star-Lord? And where's, uh, 
I don't know, Gamora. And that is because those movies are pretty much based off the 2004 Guardians of the Galaxy comic. Um, did you read any Guardians of the Galaxy ever in your entire life? Yeah, I think I remember reading a few issues as a kid and just not really, like as a young teenager, and not really being into it. So the 90s uh, yeah, yeah, because uh, I I remember I wanted to read it because it was in space, and you know I'm a big Star Trek fan, mm-hmm. so I'm like, oh, I'll probably like this, but eh, it was more Star Wars than Star Trek. And, uh, <laughs> it, was, it was Star something, uh, as we're gonna see. Uh, so uh, yeah, why don't we just go ahead and jump into the Obscuratron so people can see uh, what we're talking about? What do you say? Let's do it. Welcome. All right, and there it is, yes, and uh, just as I said, no Rocket, no Star-Lord, no Gamora, but we do have, did you recognize from the movie here, Yondu? Yeah, looking a little different, but uh, wearing a little bit of a sexier outfit, uh, <laughs> a more tantalizing Silk Stockings Jr.-esque uh, look oh, to yeah. him. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to ask you to describe the, uh, the cover to everyone, but first I want to go through some more uh, facts about the, the Guardians here. Uh, the original Guardians of the Galaxy uh, premiered in Marvel Super Heroes number 18 all the way back in January of 1969. And, uh, and in this book, they actually flash back to the original team, <laughs> if anyone was interested in uh, seeing what they look like. And they were uh, created by writer Arnold Drake, who I've never heard of, and artist uh, Gene Colan, who I have heard of. Um, I mean, I honestly thought this was the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, did you know they go back all the way to the 60s? Yeah, yeah, because I had uh, tried reading those too, and uh, not good. <laughs> Not good. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to, like, I'll say the 2004 Guardians of the Galaxy, I mean, there's a reason why a movie was made from them, because those books are good. Like, I'd never read a Guardians of the Galaxy before I read the ones from 2004, and uh, and if you, if you want to see them done well, I, I would suggest checking that out. If you want camp, well, well let's just say we're going to continue discussing this. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, so this book, uh, premiered April 17th, uh, 1990. And as I said, it's Guardians of the Galaxy number one. The name of it is, but are they ready for Taserface? And did you know Taserface was also in the movie? Did you, did you recognize him? I, I don't, I did not remember Taserface. I haven't seen, are you talking about like the first Guardians it's the movie? the second one. Yeah, I mean, I haven't. I watched it in theaters and haven't seen it since, so like, I don't really remember. Well, I just remember there's a, you know... A, a typical trope in these Marvel movies is when a guy comes out and says his ridiculous name from the comics, and then they go, oh, that's your name? What were you thinking? And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much the scene. Taserface comes out, and he, I think he threatens, like, Star, Star-Lord or something, and he just, of course, laughs at him. And uh, it was uh, pretty lame. But, uh, hey, whatever. Taserface made, um, you know, from the comics, made the movie, uh, as does Yondu, and as did Yondu's, like, whistling weird arrow thing. Did you see that in the comic as well? Yeah, yeah. I was surprised to see that here. Uh, I like how Yondu's whole strategy is... uh, It's kind of (laughs) terrible. He will purposely miss when he shoots his arrow, Mm -hmm. and then he'll whistle it into, like, 
you know, where he actually wants it to go, mm-hmm. which I guess on one side, it's like, yeah, that'll confuse your enemy or maybe lure them into a false sense of security. But in the interim between you missing them, they can just kill you uh, before you <laughs> whistle, you know, your arrow into right. place or whatever. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's the best strategy. Maybe shoot and immediately start whistling. Like, <laughs> or, or, or why even whistle? Just, 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 or why even shoot the arrow? Just whistle it into place the whole time. I mean, it's which is like what they do in the movies, right? Right. Well, it's amazing that um, I, I assume James Gunn actually read the comics and he was like. That's what I want in my movie, the whistling arrow. Uh, but it made it kind of worked on screen. It was kind of cool, you know. Yeah, on screen it worked because because correct me if I'm wrong. He never fires it from a bow and arrow. No, in the movie. no, no. Yeah. <laughs> Who fires a bow and arrow he in like, space? <laughs> I'll just say like he holds it like in his hand and then whistles it to wherever, which, which makes way more sense. It does. It does. So I would say yeah, that's definitely an improvement on what we're about to read here. But uh, here's a synopsis for uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 19. 19- and it's taking place in the 31st century in the alternate reality of Earth 691. The Guardians of the Galaxy are the primary superhero team of the future. And uh, this is uh, written and drawn by the aforementioned Jim Valentino, known for creating Shadowhawk. And he's basically worked for every uh, comic book company there is. Uh, like we said, uh, if you want to know more about Jim, make sure you check out our Shadowhawk uh, episode. And uh, But when you were reading this, did you think to yourself that this guy would go on to... <laughs> Like create like the the premier indie like uh fil- or image uh, the premier co- indie comic book company of all time. How'd you get so nervous talking about JV? I don't know why I'm getting. Uh, I mean, I know he's not stalking us like Rob Liefeld might. I'm. I'm I don't even think uh, Jim Valentino even has a presence on social media. Um, you know, I hope I hope Rob Liefeld hears that we uh, that you, we both said we placed him above above Jim. You know, I'm sure his um his ego sense started tingling when he heard that when that when we I I I, I like Rob Liefeld I I, I wish I could be the buttons on his <laughs> Levi's five hundred one flies <laughs> but uh but but answer the question all right so like reading this if you're a uh, a Valentino or not a Valentino God damn it why can't I talk today Okay, so would I have expected Jim Valentino based on this to end up writing Shadowhawk yeah. No, definitely not <laughs> right. Uh, I, I definitely feel like Shadowhawk is better written than this. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. So his writing certainly improved. Um, I think his art improved too. Oh, uh, I agree. Like it's weird because the art here, it, it's not bad. I'm no. not trying to say that, but I don't know the style here. It's like a weird mix of like seventies and nineties style. Oh, you read my mind. Yeah. I was going to say this is very uh, silver agey feeling. Um, very yeah. sort of Jack Kirby meets like Jim Starlin. And I feel like, yeah, this is mm. sort of like right on the cusp before, you know, I guess image showed up and then everybody started being, you know, more gritty and I guess sort of more the typical kind of 90s style that we're used to. Yeah, because this feels uh, very dated, but um, maybe in a sort of fun way. I mean, I know if I would have like picked this up in like 92 or 93, whenever I started reading, I probably would not have cared for it. <laughs> How about yourself? Yeah, I definitely wouldn't have cared for it. But uh, um, a few more people who worked on this book. Um, Steve Montano was the inker. Evelyn Steen was the colorist. 
course, this was published by uh, Mighty Marvel Comics under Editor-in-Chief Tom DeFalco, which I feel like he might have been um, also Editor-in-Chief uh, when we talked about uh, Shadowhawk and uh, Ghost Rider 2099. So he's the 90s He probably guy. was, because he was, he was Editor-in-Chief forever, mm-hmm. it seemed like, uh, in the 90s. Uh, I think late 80s, too. So um, what's going on with this cover here? <laughs> uh, this cover looks like, honestly, it's probably some of the worst art out of the whole issue is the cover. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. Like the uh, the guy, I can't remember his name, the guy from Jupiter. By the way, why is everybody like the last survivor of X college? Right. Yeah, we're going to get like, to that. Um, we're going to get to that two page spread. So, yeah, you don't have to like name off everyone yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. I remember. But the big guy in the upper left hand corner, uh, a.k.a. definitely not Hulk mm-hmm. with the trapezoid <laughs> kind of shaped head. Right. Just very awkward. That's a ch- I mean, the, the covers Charlie 29 oh, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, the, the cover's all right. It's just like, I don't know. Like, he looks like a ripoff, like the, your typical big guy character uh, beneath him. I can't even remember the character's name. Maximus or... Martin uh, X. Martin X. Martin X. Mm-hmm. Uh, he looks, on in the cover, he looks more like Silver Surfer than anything. He does. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, it's it's... You know what it feels like? It feels like a splash page inside the comic book and not a cover. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's your typical cover. I mean, showing off all the members of the team, including, I guess they felt a need to show Starhawk's uh, weird female alter ego, which we will get to in a minute, because they're both, uh, you know, there. Which, you know, if you were... To, oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. It's just there to show you, like, the team, basically. And yeah. then it's... I'm not a big fan of, like, when you have a cover and everyone's, like, looking off <laughs> to, like, one side. Because it's like, well, what's over there? You know, like, why isn't... Am I not, you know, because, correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, most covers will have... Like, it's very strange to have everybody looking off to the left or to the right. Usually they're looking, like, forward or some... Or the action's kind of, like, kind of being brought to the reader. Right, you, Not, you think this would be a uh, like a flip out page, like from that yes. uh, very successful like X Men number one by Jim Lee, uh, yeah. like the X Men would be here, and then you'd flip it. And that out. would have made complete sense to do. Yeah, that. yeah. So maybe they wanted to do a flip out cover, and uh, they just they were like, "Sorry, Jim, <laughs> we're cutting the budget on this." Uh, <laughs> We've seen enough. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right, so I guess we can uh, go ahead and jump into the comic. I do like, I always enjoy the little, um, I don't know, the actual, it's like the starburst thing where it's, it says in the, um, the lower corner here, explode into the Marvel Universe of the 31st century. I mean, that's, it's very a uh, throwback. I mean, at this point uh, in time, it's not a throwback, but to do it now is kind of a throwback. But I feel like even for then, it's kind of a throwback. Eh. There's a few like things here that felt very, and I know that were still being done here and there, but like, like the first cosmic issue thing, right? The explode into the Marvel universe. <laughs> you know, those like little things that are like superimposed over all the art. Right. Uh, later on, when like at one point, maybe it's at the end of the story where like they do the Stanley Nuff said. Oh, I love that though. Uh, <laughs> I, I and then at some point in the story, and I just want to bring it up now before because I'm afraid I'll forget about it later mm-hmm. when I'm tuning out because there's a lot of dialogue. Uh, <laughs> We're gonna do our best to condense like, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we should definitely not go over this in too much detail. But there's a point where they're talking about bringing uh, this little letterbox that comes up saying, "Oh, this is there a reference to X Y Z issue," and then but they make like a little quip 
like in the letterbox where they're like, oh, a pretty sneaky way to to promote that, huh? It's like, ah, uh, that that stuff always takes me out of the story. Like, yeah, I mean, I, to me, that is like sort of classic Marvel because that was what was going on when I first started reading, like that sort of um, style, if you will. Of course, it it changed uh, pretty quickly. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, that's, um, I guess that was what they were known for, for a while. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I could see if you weren't used to it or I could see not liking it for sure. Um, but, uh, well, let, 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 let's get into it. Uh, <laughs> by the way, I hate, I hate that this both takes place in the 31st century. So it doesn't, it's, uh, you know, outside of time travel being involved, which we know that they're. You know, there's a lot of time travel stuff with the Guardians of the Galaxy, but outside of stories involving time travel and also going to Earth 616, which is like the main Marvel universe, like anything that happens here, like is probably not going to be impactful to any of the other books you might be reading as a Marvel, as a regular Marvel reader. So I just hate that right off the bat. Like to me, it's like kills the stage. Oh, so you must uh, have really hated a Spider-Man No Way Home then like I do. No, I actually like that. Movie. I know you do. Uh, that's that's the one with the three Spider-Mans, right? Yes. We'll talk about it another time. I like that because it has like a lot of heart. It's well-written. It's fun. I, if this was fun, I would have... Spoiler alert, I didn't enjoy this. Uh, I thought it was kind of fun. Anyway, well, all right, let's read and we'll render our verdict as we are supposed to. All right, I'm going to take a nap while you... Ah, go fuck yourself. <laughs> all right, here we go. Okay, so page number one, it's a full-page splash of the Guardians being fired upon by multiple lasers. Um, I don't know. I, I might try to read some of this just because it's so cheesy. It's kind of fun. Uh, but, yeah, we're going to try to get through this as quickly as we can. <laughs> All right, so there is a second that wrestles with eternity, a heartbeat forever frozen in the tapestry of time that is such a moment. <laughs> Look at the, oh, if you can see this man's face, ladies and gentlemen. Check us out on YouTube. You got Just to imagine <laughs> the the love letters Jim Valentino wrote to his poor spouse. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, this is great. Real sweet. Yeah. So, uh, all right, dear Miss Valentino, the year is three hundred seventeen A.D. in one of the many possible futures of the multiverse, but it is one that we have visited several times before. The planet is called Korg. An out-of-the-way, low-tech world in the Bledsoe system. <laughs> Bledsoe? <laughs> like, isn't that a... Who, is that a sports guy or something? Uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I think it's like... it's, it's a, I, I've heard it before as a last name, so mm. it's just kind of like weird. So, blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> right now, there's an Eric Kledso in the uh, NBA, or excuse me, the CBA. Mm-hmm. He plays for the Shanghai <laughs> the Sharks of the Chinese Basketball Association. All right, all right. Let me just finish this page. Okay. So the Guardians of the Galaxy were not expecting trouble when they arrived here. But the seconds ago, a sophisticated bank of gun turrets rose from a barren, dirt-covered ground and began firing. The Guardians were caught unawares. It is not a state they will remain in for very long. What were your thoughts after reading this first opening page? <laughs> unawares plural <laughs> why why oh it's so like it's so overly complicated it's hilarious hilarious uh yeah like this could have been one box it's the year 3017 and uh we're in 
one of the why does it say one of the many possible again that's like diminishing the impact and the stakes and you're like oh this is one of many possible futures mm-hmm. like you don't have to throw that in all right so we're going to turn the page here and i might need to adjust it because it's a double page spread let me see how it uh how it's looking oh it's covering you up no big deal <laughs> that's, that's uh that's here we go amount, you know i I would love to be covered by Jim Zarb. <laughs> All right. So in this double page spread, we've got the, the credits. We've got uh, the title of this book, which, as I said, was, But Are They Ready For Taserface? And we basically have explanations and uh, who's who of who everyone is on the team here. And I'm going to try to condense this as much as possible. So the first guy, is uh, his name is Starhawk. And um, <laughs> just an enigmatic mutant from the planet Arturus. He wields the power of light and shares his physical being with the woman, Alita. So uh, we've got some, um, you know, some pro-trans stuff going on here. Uh, nothing wrong with that. I, I guess, in a way, <laughs> like he does. But, but then in the <laughs> lower <laughs> corner here, he says, it says, but he shares the secret of being one who knows with no one. So, uh, but then later at the end, they literally say, because there was something he didn't foresee, they're like, oh, I guess you're not the one who knows, uh, isn't as infallible as he thinks he is. Right, right. So, yeah, the whole team knows about the, um, the, you know, the alter ego here of Starhawk. So I don't know. I, I think what Jim Valentino is trying to say that he doesn't like share the power or maybe how, because I guess he can see the futures. The right, right, right. To a certain extent. So, and he doesn't like, share maybe like the, he is such a bad this is so badly written. it is it like, really is it's, how can you like write so many words and yet have things be less clear right right and uh let, let me can i take the next person oh, well i was just gonna say so he's like um barking orders um over here and so yeah. and then we've got the next lady who is named uh nikki <laughs> just nikki Last child of Earth's Mercury colony. Last person of Earth's blank colony is basically the uh, origin story for almost the rest of the team. Right. Uh, <laughs> they're all like the last one. Anyway, so she can jump around and she's got ghost writer hair, so it's on fire. <laughs> <Yes>. uh, <laughs> and uh, she uh, has excellent marksmanship and sarcasm, apparently. Oh, that, uh, that's so funny. She, all right, I have to read this because I thought it was hilarious. The agility of her limbs is exceeded only by the unerring skill of her marksmanship and the sting of her sarcasm. It's like he really wanted us to know that she's sarcastic. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, she's also the navigator and the technical weapons expert. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Yeah, right. And so next, we basically have the strong guy of the group. Uh, his name is Charlie27. Uh, By the way, these are great names. Nikki, Charlie. <laughs> yeah. And they call Martin X over here Marty the whole time. Uh, and then we've got Vance Astro. But we'll, we'll get to him in a second. So, so yeah, Charlie 27's like the basically the strong guy. He's like a... Um, Genetically um, engineered guy. A militia man. Um, so do with that what you will. And, uh, yeah, basically, uh, he, I just... He, He's got a Punisher sticker on his truck. <laughs> Misunderstood Punisher sticker. Um, 
And so then we've got our uh, leader here, Martin X, who, as Yahel said, looks he looks like the Silver Surfer on the cover. But here he looks like right. the Silver Surfer if he's like been beaten up, I guess, like made out of ice. Um, made, up, made out of like low polygon. He's like low poly uh, Silver Surfer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or made out of like a rock candy or something like that. Uh, yeah. I don't know. He looks very smooth. He, I mean, he looks like polygons. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. I'll go with that. And he has the ability to shoot like heat from one hand and ice from the other. And then we have uh, Yandu from the uh, almost from the movie, uh, except for here he's got a huge like mohawk fin thing going on. He looks like he could be a tiger shark almost. Uh, yeah, firing. By the it. way, uh, what's up? When Martin X is uh, when he's shooting his fire, I guess uh-huh. it's orange. I could have so-, so the 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 little like letters for like the sound is this. C H U U M. I thought it said cum. Oh, you're always thinking of cum. It's chum. <laughs> like, like, I'm, like, I'm yeah. like, what, what sound is cum? I mean, like, chum isn't anyway. much better. Um, no, it's not. But yeah, and he's wearing like a weird, um, like Roman, almost sort of like a centurion toga uniform or something. Uh, he's got the uh, loincloth going on. Yeah, Yandu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And last but not least, uh, we have uh, Vance Astro, and he is the first Earthman to the stars, which I could have sworn some other astronaut was, but, you know, I guess he's from an alternate universe, so it's okay. And um, he's, like, uh, in- encased in this blue suit that's supposed to, I guess, keep him alive uh, forever, I-, I-, I suppose. And he has the mutant power of psychokinesis. So, all right, you just opened up this double-page spread for the first time. If you had to choose a favorite out of these wacky-looking characters, who would you choose? Oh, this is. <laughs> you know, I guess it would be between Starhawk and Vance Astro. Mm-hmm. Um, not because I think they're particularly great looking characters. I just think the others are way even worse as far as their designs go. Yep. Vance was my choice as well. Um, I don't know. I think, uh, Starhawks, uh, he's got like crap coming off of his head. Like his cape. Is yeah. Like... He's got like, like these arches that are coming off his head and mm-hmm. back like wings, but then they connect to his boots. It makes no sense. No. And that's, <laughs> And that's what I hate about a lot of the design of these characters is that their suits make no sense. And uh, just wait till we get to the woman that he turns into. Um, but uh, okay, moving on to the next page. Let me uh, adjust it here. And then they follow. So they followed Starhawk's advice after complaining. Everybody was complaining too that he thinks he's the leader. Mm-hmm. So he's telling them what to do. Well, guess what? He was right. <laughs> Van, uh, Vance Astro yells, it's clobbering time, and they all fire upon the uh, the gun array or laser array, whatever you want to call it, and they all blow it up because they work together. Good good for you guys. Yeah. Um, By the way, I love how at the bottom here it says that the array was reduced to so much slag and debris. <laughs> it must have taken them, like, years to write this, uh, or at least a Like, uh, just think, what is slag? Yeah. And, has and it, also, wouldn't you just say is reduced to slag and debris, not so much slag and debris? Like, yeah, I, th- I feel like uh, Jim Valentino was born before they came up with uh, the uh, show "Don't Tell" <laughs> like mantra. This uh, motherfucker definitely had a thesaurus next to him when he was writing this. <laughs> Either that, or he gets and, like high off of his own like Mark writing. Uh, I don't know. 
Uh, yeah. I mean, then again, you know, he's the one word that has worked for decades in the industry and we haven't. So, right. Uh, but, uh, but Hey, he doesn't have a cool podcast <laughs> like we do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so take that. All right. So now we turn the page and let's see. All right. Page. So Martin X says that the thing they destroyed is not from this planet. Uh, the, like after they destroyed it, it sends out this, uh, distress signal. And then we see the, um, the villain of the book, uh, taser face. Uh, how would you describe taser taser face to the audience here? Well, I mean, I guess kind of the way he's described later on by the guardians themselves, they actually say he looks a bit like iron man and, uh, he kind of does. He's got like yellow and red armor. Mm -hmm. One of his hands as a gun from the forearm up, which seems uh, not very functional to me, but <laughs> right. Speaking of not functional, wait till wait till we see why they call him Taser Face. Uh, I feel yeah, like so yeah, this is Iron Man mixed with like uh, every trope from the '90s. Like I, I see a lot of Cable in there also, um, which yeah. I mean, Cable did come out in '89, so. Uh, you know, it's very possible. Yeah, he, he, he's got like the whole chrome metal thing, mm -hmm. which was always signified in comics with like lines, like straight lines yep. through the chrome parts. They're just gold or whatever instead of like silver. But yeah, pretty generic. Mm -hmm. And uh, then he has a cape. I, he's got so many bells and whistles. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, this is the <laughs> air. looks like shit. Yeah, this is the era of that. I mean, a lot of people blame Rob Liefeld for that. Not us. Not us. But uh, Not us. a lot of people because Rob Liefeld, I mean, look, a lot of his designs. Yeah, they have a lot of the same elements like pouches or mm -hmm. probe or whatever. But I don't know. They're all like still he manages to make them most of them like unique right. and interesting. You know, like he, he like knows how to do that really well. And this just looks like Jim Valentino threw every fucking little thing he could think of. OK, like he's got knee pads, right? So he's all chromed out. <laughs> And over his chrome outfit, he's got like a singlet on, mm -hmm. but like like a high school type singlet. So it's like shorts uh, singlet. And then on that, it's got like a sash, like a red sash. The singlet's black and red. Then he's got a sash. The sash has like three grenades or metals on it. Can't right. really tell. Then he's got two giant metallic knee pads, <laughs> which is bad enough. But what do those knee pads have? Fucking a horn sticking out from the knee pad. Right. Uh, then on his left hand, he's got like a metal glove on top of his metal <laughs> armor, and on the knuckles of that metal glove, Spikes. more horns, mm -hmm. one for each knuckle. He's got a giant purple ponytail sticking up, and he's got like a full face max, like gambit kind of thing, where only the front of his face is visible. Head sock. And head then sock. he's got a cape. A head sock, yeah. Then he's got a cape on that's held together with these like gold uh, chains. Mm -hmm. And if that's not enough, he's got a belt. <laughs> he's got a sword on his right side, which doesn't make any sense because his right hand isn't a hand. It's a gun, so he can't really grab it. Right. With his right. I guess he could reach over with his left. Right. But then on the left, he's got like a sheath for like a knife. For another sword. too much <laughs> shit. Uh, oh, and did you notice? That there's little cables connecting from his forearm, his left forearm, to the belt buckle. Oh, you gotta have the cables for some reason. Like just to get, <laughs> what, what is going on here? Jim Valentino was really trying hard to like impress yeah. everyone as an artist oh. and a writer. And last thing, I'm sorry, two giant hoop pirate earrings. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, you know who he also reminds me of? Do you know that Marvel? Sort of cyborg-looking guy, uh, Deadlock or Deathlock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of that, too. 
Yeah. All right. So moving on. Now that we've met Taserface, okay, we are on a page six. Yondu attempts to talk to the native people of the planet who are like these weird yeah. sort of furry cat looking people. They're dogs. <laughs> yeah, they're do- like dogs. Yeah, that. Yeah, somewhere in between there, uh, dogs. Yeah. And um, Steve, did you notice that? <laughs> I'm so mad that I noticed this. Uh. If you look at the second panel on this page where we first see like a close-up look of these dog slash cat people, mm-hmm. the woman, the female one, she's got like multiple breasts. Oh, wow. I didn't notice that. Wow. Thanks for pointing that out, you pervert. <laughs> and you know how Jim Valentino loves to draw <laughs> females that, that you saw in That's true. Yeah, he does. Wow. Oh, old pervy Valentino at it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so you- anyways, they basically look like, like uh, anthropomorphic dogs or cats or some kind of combination of the two yeah um so yandu attempts to talk to those people but they are afraid of him and one tries to attack yandu but he like uh does like the roll kick flip forward thing and like knocks the guy on his back basically Um, yeah just gently disposes of him uh moves out of the way right because these are heroes ladies and gentlemen um so uh moving on to the next page uh the team they basically separate Yandu and Martin X uh, beam up to their ship uh, because they have to. This is a du- there's a dumb reasons here to make them split up. Um, basically, Martin X is like, we can't find the clue. They're not really. Cl- I do like that they're not really clear at first as to what exactly they're doing on this planet. Uh, and this is the first time he he mentions that they're not sure that they're in the right place for this clue that they're looking for. Um, so basically his uh, solution is to go up to the ship to like double check. You think, you know, wouldn't they have like a tricorder or something that they could, you know, interface with the ship to like figure it out? Like, uh, I guess not, but... Um, Apparently not. Yeah, they do have transporter technology though, so at least they've ripped something off from Star Trek. <laughs> right. Uh, so, um, Yandu and Martin X, uh, beam up to the ship, uh, because, uh, Yandu wants to go because he wants to commune with his God Anthos because he is troubled. Um, and, um, so in the rest of the crew, they, you know, they don't want to go too and like, uh, go up there and relax. They're like, nah, mm-hmm. we're going to stay here and look around. Um, yeah, everyone else is an atheist, so they're not gonna, <laughs> they're, not, <laughs> they're not interested in your praying. Uh, I don't think there's anything else to really mention about this page. Do you? Nah. Mm. No, not at all. Uh, okay. So <laughs> you're just like, skip to the end. Uh, so on page eight. Um, all right. So we're still on the planet. Vance Astro tells uh, Nikki and uh, Charlie that he's going to go hunt for the clue on his own, like for really no reason. I mean, he could have been like, you know, I could move a lot faster without YouTube holding me back or whatever. But no, he's just like, I'm going to go over here. And then Militia Man says, basically, he sexually harasses uh, Nikki, the girl with the Ghost Rider hair. Uh, he's all, suits me, Vance. I've been waiting for a chance to get Nick alone for a while now. <laughs> <laughs> and you just look at the grin on this guy's face. Like, but I, I mean, but I, I got the impression that they were that they are together or have consensually hooked oh. up because then she's like you're still not over the burns from last time big boy like all playful <laughs> yeah and, and then he goes am i complaining <laughs> and uh, he likes a little shit it sounds like nick's a little bit of a dommy mommy that's fine yeah. <laughs> i always hear like 
new new slang whenever I talk to you, much like the slang I learned from reading Shadowhawk number one. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to keep you trying to keep you young and trying to let you know what's hip, Steve. Thanks. Uh, yeah, and then so Charlie's like, "Am I complaining?" So uh, so yeah, they did. I mean, it's all on board. But like, what a I mean, they're in the middle of a mission, and Charlie's all, ah, I just want to do some quick boning. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but anyway, so this is um, Jim Valentino's chance to introduce us to Starhawk and and whatever's going on with him with his dual genders or whatever. So Vance is all, "Hey, where did Starhawk go? I want to ask him something. <laughs> like like what? What do you want to yeah. ask?" And very then, very sweet. Yeah. So Nikki says. He just walked away from us. As usual, he thinks he's too good for us, you know. And then Charlie's like, yeah, well, I wish he'd turn into Alita permanently. Her I can deal with because I want a boner. Uh, he doesn't actually say that, but we can only assume. Um, we can only infer, yeah. It sounds like everybody is, like prefers Alita for... <laughs> yeah, Alita right. Oh, well, you know... After seeing her, I can't really blame him. But hey, so <laughs> so now we get the transformation sequence. Um, basically, Starhawk is thinking to himself, "Oh, your wish may come true sooner than you think." I feel the change upon me, and like I'm really con- kind of confused about uh, sort of what's going on here. Like, can he only stay as Starhawk for a while until he has to turn into Alita? Um, they aren't really clear on it. But anyway, he transforms into this. Uh, I don't know, uh, Barbie looking of a blonde. Like, uh, do you want to describe her uh, costume? Yeah, I mean, yeah, she's <laughs> it's classic blonde. Jim. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's very. You know what? It, it, okay, the front is like that J Lo green dress from like the two thousands. <laughs> yeah. Like that made a big uh, yeah splash. And that was like a big deal. Yeah. yeah, because it was like barely covering her chest and like it was super low cut. So that's kind of like what the front is, and it's black and gold. Uh, she's got pants on otherwise, though, mm-hmm. uh, to keep them legs covered. Of course. And, yeah, that's pretty much her outfit. Just a lot of cleavage and, like, uh, the, you know, it's very low cut. goes down, like, to, like, her belly button. You can basically. see her abs. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, uh, hey, she, she, maybe she just wants everybody to, like, see her hard work. Right. That I guess, I don't know when she's exercising since she is only around part of the time. Right. I mean... And we must assume that she literally has abs of steel because, yeah, as Yahel said, I mean, she basically has no protection in, like, the chest and ab area. So in the very uh, last panel here is Alita's face. <laughs> and uh, how, would, uh, how would you describe that face? Uh, orgasmic. Uh, <laughs> how would you describe it? Let's say, oh, face. Yeah, yeah, it is. She's saying, free again. And then, of course, old Valentino, he couldn't just let the art speak for itself. Below her face, it says, the air fills her lungs and she relishes its sweet taste. That next time I have an orgasm, that's what I'm going to say. I'm gonna just, <laughs> free again. You know, free again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Moving on to the next page. Um all right, now they're on their ship, um, the uh, which is called the Freedom's Lady, um, and by they I mean Yandu and Martin X, and uh, basically the whole point of them going up there, uh, like they sit around this fire uh, that Yandu has created. He's like m- sitting 
sort of kneeling in front of it in the most awkward looking way possible. Like, do, yeah. do you agree? His hands are like by him side. It looks like he's trying to do um, like Hindu squats or something, but he just can't quite pull it off. Um, yeah, it's very, very weird, but you know, it's fine. I mean, he's an alien, so. <laughs> yeah. Who are we to question <laughs> Yondu's religion? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he basically asks uh, Martin X to come and, like, commune with him around the fire. And, of course, Martin is all, I don't believe in your crazy hocus pocus. Um, but he's like, oh, Yandu's all, well, you're going to have a vision anyway. Uh, it's it's almost like when um, if you uh, tell a, a Christian you're an atheist, they're like, well, God loves you anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, basically the whole point of this, like, flashback or quote-unquote vision that they have is to just sort of talk about the history of the Guardians of the Galaxy. And we turn the page here, and we see that they went back to Earth-616, and um, uh, they teamed up with Captain America to fight this, like, alien race called the Badoon. They teamed up with Doctor Strange and the Defenders. Um, like, I mean, there's you really don't need to know this stuff to... Uh, you know, to enjoy question mark <laughs> the book. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I guess they're just trying to like establish like oh yeah these guys you know they're they're just as good as these other heroes that you know and love from the main line universe. Sure, and it's all they're all like oh well uh, we've we've been around you just didn't know because it was in an alternate timeline a doy. Uh, so uh, we turn the page and let's see it's more flashback. You basically get three pages of flashback here. Yeah. Um, they fight, uh, Korvac, um, like, and some other sort of cosmic space stuff, uh, team up with, uh, Thor, let's see, and then they talk about how, um, and they team up with Adam Warlock, uh, wow, there's even more flashback that I forgot about, um, yeah, I mean, let's see, page 12, and, and Spider-Man, of course, and this was actually interesting to me because I read the New Warriors in the 90s. I love them. Uh, there was a, I guess, Vance Astro went back in time to try to convince his younger self not to be an astronaut. And then that inadvertently made his younger self turn into uh, a Marvel Boy. Um, did you, are you familiar with Marvel Boy at all? <laughs> No, not really. Uh, but if I want to read it, I can read about him every month in the pages of the New Warriors. Yep. How's that for a sneaky plug? <laughs> Which is what the letterbox I was complaining about earlier. See, I, I kind of missed. I mean, I don't need the sneaky plug part, but like I loved. Th- that's the that's what I don't like. The How's that for a okay. sneaky plug? I like that they're like, hey, you can read more about this here mm. or hey xyz thing that they're talking about happened in this issue i actually love that mm. i hate the little like snarky quips that marvel would sometimes add on <laughs> to these or they'd give like the per- the editor like a stupid nickname like they actually i think they do it in, on this page too yeah they they have like another letterbox that's like saying oh for a more detailed account of this yada yada and then it says like dash encyclopedic Greg. I, like, I don't know why anyone would hate that, but uh, okay. Because it just like takes me out of the story. Right. Like, it's just, it's weird. Okay. I gotcha. All right. Moving on. We're, if you're reading a log, we're on page 13 now. And uh, basically this sort of bring almost brings it a full circle of where we are now. They basically explain that Yandu found a, a book basically that he thought was, like magical or religious or something. 
uh, and it talked about this um, magic disc. But then when Vance read the book, he's like, oh, you idiots. This is clearly Captain America's shield. And they're in the why is Vance wearing like a T-shirt? He's like wearing a T-shirt <laughs> over his regular like hero costume. Hey, he's off the clock, uh, buddy. <laughs> but nobody else. Everybody else is only in their like costumes. I don't know. Right. I just thought it was funny. It is funny. Um, but uh, so he knew it was Cap Shield, and now they're following um, all these clues that are in the book um, that will eventually lead them to the Shield, which is basically why they're at the planet. They um, followed the clues, and it led them to this planet. And uh, after the end of the flashback, and this I thought it was hilarious because it almost it undercut everything. Basically, like Yondu's like, "Well, Marty or Martin X, whatever he calls him, uh, what did you learn from your vision?" And he's all like, "Nothing." <laughs> like, <laughs> he's like, "Nothing." I already knew all. About I all lived this. it. Through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the whole point was to show us the reader like their backstory, more or less. So they beam back down to planet Korg and let's see, page 14, uh, Vance asks if it's the right planet. Martin says yes, but there's still no clue. Vance says someone else must be looking for the shield and are one step ahead. Uh, what a conspiracy theorist. Basically all the important stuff that happened on that page. Did you have any comments about it? No, no, no. I didn't realize any of this was important. Uh, so. <laughs> wow. You hear that, Jim? He's ragging on your page. All right. So we turn the page yet again. And um, basically, Taserface beams into panel and immediately shoots Vance Astro. We get a foom. Uh, and um, Alita's like, Vance. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's basically all that really happens on this page, but I do think this is funny and it's worth reading. So, all right, here's, all right, so Taserface beams in and he's all, stand fast, aliens. You beings are trespassing. You have three seconds to quit this world or die at the hands of Taserface. Quit this world. <laughs> what? Who talks like this? But this is, the rebuttal from Vance is what cracked me up. He's like, What? Now, just hold on one minute, Taserface. Like, I don't know why yeah. that, that. It just sounds like something like Barney Fife from like Andy Griffith would say yeah. or something. Like, now wait just a gosh darn minute, Taserface. And then. Like, clearly he needed to like fill in some space on this page. Right, right, right. Or, I mean, and then Taserface shoots him, which he deserves to be shot for saying something so stupid. Uh, <laughs> So uh, moving on, I do like, I will say, I mean, I don't know, there's a lot of it in this book, but, you know, the the speed lines here and stuff, it just, uh, yeah, I enjoy that stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, I do too. Well done. So uh, moving on to page 16, um, yeah, this is all a lot of action. So, it, I mean, in any other book, it would go by quickly, but there's a whole bunch of exposition <laughs> added to the fight here because you know old jim he just loves his writing so much he has to throw it in but basically charlie punches taser face but then is shot by taser face and then yondu brings out his arrow yes from the movie and uh uses it against uh taser face to some uh pretty good effect and um he whistles and everything so uh, moving on, now we are on page 17. Taserface takes out most of the team 
and Martin X tells Alita that they need Starhawk, but she doesn't want to. Like, how how dare they say that a man can do a job that a that a woman can't? Is that is that what's going on here? <laughs> I guess so. I mean, it's uh, I don't even know. They're not even clear on what Alita's powers are. Um, they did mention in the flashback that I uh, forgot to mention that um, I guess at one point. Starhawk and Alita had kids and somehow they got um, bounded together or bind together. Um, they weren't really clear on it. Uh, but uh, anyway, so she says, no, she doesn't want to. And then Charlie uh, basically rams into the back of a taser face uh, juggernaut style. And now we are on um, the next page and lo and behold, uh, we get Starhawk. Thank God he's here with his ridiculous headpiece that attaches to his boots uh he'll save the day for sure so dumb yeah it's, yeah like how could this even like be an out like how, how okay when he needs to put on something else how does he fold this outfit right and what i think like, how does he put it away and what i'm thinking is like how is like editor-in-chief tom defalco when he like looks at these pages on his desk is like yes yes this is what the kids want in 1990. A guy with a weird headpiece that attaches to his boots. Good job, Jim. You've done it again. Uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, so yeah, Starhawk appears. He blasts Taserface. Charlie puts him in a half Nelson. And I love that he felt a need to tell us that he's using a, a half Nelson. I guess shout out to anyone who's ever wrestled before. Uh, yeah, but is, is, does, isn't it like spelled wrong? He like spelled it like Nissen, yeah, half Nissen instead of Nelson. It's a half Nelson, ha- like the name Nelson. Yeah, it's so. a named after Liam Neeson for some reason <laughs> in this alternate <laughs> world. Yeah, the half Neeson. Um, but uh, um, Taserface is all fool. You hold nothing. And then as Starhawk is closing in on Taserface, a massive laser or taser, if you will, emits uh, from. Li- Taserface's uh, helmet or face, if you will, and zaps him. And then as he's doing this, he says, there's a reason why I'm called Taserface. Zerp. Zerap. (laughs) What is that onomatopoeia there? Zerap. Is that what that is? I I don't know. I maybe Jim Valentino's death. I mean, (laughs) it's the only thing I can think of. It seems like he's never heard any sounds like like think about the way he writes dialogue mm-hmm. uh, he doesn't get out know. much yeah he, he writes like a man that's never heard a sound yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh so then in the final panel um basically martin x is all i'm tired of playing games with this guy you want to play rough taser face okay let's play real rough and then Vance is there. Hot. Now you're talking, Marty. Like, so I guess this is a way of rallying the team or something. Uh, it's just, the, is that not the lamest, like, sort of tough talk you've ever heard? Yeah, it's it's pretty bad, and it's also very like Power Rangers ish. Like, oh, I could have done this thing to take you down the whole time, but. Uh, Right. I didn't want to until now. Yeah, we could have formed the Megazord at the beginning, but no, we always wait till the end of the episode. Yeah, so he shoots an ice blast from his hand. Oh no, wait. This is one this is some classic Valentino writing here. A burst of freezing cold issues from the Pluvivian's silicone appendage. Why does it have to be an appendage? Why can't it just be a hand, you hell? 
and, and it's a really weird way of using the word issues. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, and I don't like. I don't think like any variation of issue really should have been used here. But <laughs> I think you could have said like, if you if you insisted on it, a burst of freezing cold is issued would have made more sense. Well, I'll say that uh, Jim Valentino has issues with the English language. <laughs> <laughs> like, and it's so weird. Like, presumably this issue got notes from the editor tommy you know mm -hmm. to jim so it must have been like even worse right that's a that's a good point or they could have just rushed it who knows um yeah so uh moving on to page 19 um he freezes taser face's head the blast from martin x freezes his head uh, also shoots uh his psychokinesis from his uh brain also firing upon taser face uh, he's down and, uh, oh, Charlie also, well, no, he just sort of stands above him and goes, all right, now that's what I call teamwork. And much like at the beginning of the issue with, uh, you know, that laser array sending out a distress signal, just taser face, just falling down on his back, sends out a signal to some unknown villain that we never really see. Um, we turn the page and we see that villain's, uh, ship. And they're just sort of uh, talking about it, um, saying that he's down and, uh, ooh, stuff is going on. We need to further investigate, something like that. Um, you know, if, if you're not going to read further, you're probably not going to be too interested in that. Uh, so yeah. basically the important part, and I'm using that term loosely, is uh, Starhawk is okay. Martin X wants to know like where he came from, because obviously he wasn't from the, uh, and by him, I mean um, Taserface. He wants to Taser know face. where Taserface came from, because he's obviously not from that planet. Uh, then, um, let's see, we have some more wacky dialogue here from Vance Astro. He's like, well, what do you know? Seems the one who knows ain't as infallible as he thinks he is after all. Uh, talking about... Uh, I guess the the Starhawk who um, admits he doesn't know everything. I guess real real good. By the way, did you, what's up? When Starhawk is on the ground here, he doesn't have like those weird things connected to his boots. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. That's I guess. So maybe he only does he only use them when he's flying? Oh, maybe? there you go. Well, that still doesn't I make sense, but I'll go with it. <laughs> I mean, I could have sworn I saw him. With on while he was standing around right, right i guess the only man who knows is jim valentino so uh we turn the page and uh, let's see page 21 uh nikki says he uh he being Taserface, reminds her of iron man then someone off frame says he's one of us uh, and they all sort of look, just like on the cover, they all look, uh, well, sort of towards camera to whoever said that. And we turn to page 22, and we're met with basically a team of Taserface-looking people, and they are known as the Stark. Uh, and I guess we can only assume that uh, somehow they're all villains that are made from Stark tech or something. Uh, but, uh, yeah. but you won't find out unless you read the next issue, because that is the end of guardians of the galaxy. Number one, next issue. Nuff said <laughs> anything you want to, yeah, there's like, uh, yeah. I think I kind of 19 
uh, of members of the Stark. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of them. So good luck. And <laughs> I love like watching uh, Jim Valentino trying to make like variations of sort of his like typical design style. Uh, man, he he's right. really into um, shoulder pads as well. Like, and these are like wacky. Yeah. They're like not even cool in the not even cool shoulder pads like and how could any of these people even move like the middle character she's completely chromed out like chrome on top of chrome um yeah but whatever it's the future like she has like talons in her giant talons that go almost past her forehead mm-hmm. on her shoulder pads talons down her triceps and forearms and her thighs and there's another character behind her that's flying that's got similar shoulder pads. Like, I don't. How could these people even like s- stand next to each other in an elevator, Steve? Yeah, like, right. I, Hold on one sec. You need me, Blade? You need to poop? You gotta poop? Yeah, and I just love how they all have that same sort of like goblin-esque taser face face. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. why are they all purple? I mean, I guess that's their race or something. Uh, I do like this Bubba Fett looking guy up in the top left. Um, oh, yeah, that, that is very Bubba Fett yeah, looking. But and he's the only... Uh, one out of 20 ain't bad, I guess. <laughs> he's, uh, he's the only one who has, it looks like he has an exposed arm. Like, how dare he? He's, he must be a real rebel amongst these guys. Um, but, uh, wow. Well, I, uh, should we call it? I think that's um, Gardens of the Galaxy number one. Shall we render the verdict? Yeah, yeah. I, I do want to say I, these guys kind of remind me the, the way they look like. Of, uh, I think it's the Krees. They're just like purple versions of the Krees. Right. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, maybe mixed with a little bit of Borg for you, huh? <laughs> a little Borg? A little Borg mm, no. for you? <laughs> I was just trying to relate to you, my my Trek brother. Mm, does that offend you oh, as a Trekkie? <laughs> <laughs> does it? Uh, no. All right. Well, let's do this thing. All right. Uh, Agent Velasquez, do you think that Guardians of the Galaxy, 1990, number one, should be remembered throughout the multiverse, or shall it be tossed into a forgotten void, never to be heard of again? Uh, I'd say trash this one. I just I didn't enjoy it. Uh, the writing is pretty bad. The art is okay. I mean, it's not like terrible, but it feels more outdated than it should for a book that came out this year. And, um, yeah, just, I, I just don't think it's good. Uh, what do you think? Uh, well, I was almost sort of on the fence just because it was it almost veered into so bad it's good territory with its, uh, in, as you said, incredibly dated uh, dialogue and overabundance of exposition. Like, not too long ago, I tried to read, like, the 
the very first what if like number one written by Stan Lee and it's just as bad with the the density of uh you know exposition and stuff like mm-hmm. that so that was just sort of like the style back then but yeah but ultimately this is uh forgettable so uh i mean the art is uh like you said okay um and the writing i mean it's like b it almost as if he was trying to write a b movie like on purpose <laughs> but wasn't yeah. bad enough uh so for all those reasons gardens of the galaxy number one you are obliterated the heathens have spoken you are obliterated All right, well, I really feel like we uh, did the Lord's work today. <laughs> yeah, interestingly enough, uh, I mean, I haven't seen it yet, but I hear that the new Guardians of the Galaxy is actually pretty decent. Yeah, I forgot to ask. Um, I mean, I think I already know, but I guess just for the record, like, what are your thoughts on the Guardians of the Galaxy movies that you have seen? I mean, you saw the first two, at least, right? Yeah, I uh, I really liked the first one a lot. Uh, second one, I didn't like as much, but I did enjoy it. Um, it was a good, fun little romp, and at least it was like a you know different setting than the typical Marvel universe movies. So, uh, yeah, I, I like them. What about you? Yeah, I agree to most of that. Um, it was a little too jokey at times for for my liking, and especially since the 2004 Guardians of the Galaxy comic was just so good, and like that's what I wanted to see up on the big screen. I mean, we got a, a variation on it to, to say the least, but um, yeah, I'll eventually watch uh, number three. Um, and uh, yeah, aside from that, I, uh, yeah, I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy, I haven't uh, read anything past the 2004 Guardians, but uh, I, I doubt I'm missing out on anything. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so is it safe to say you won't be, this is actually, 19 the jim valentino run of gardens of the galaxy is actually collected in an omnibus uh should i buy it for you for your birthday or christmas no no i'm (laughs) I'm good steve i i've got enough uh kindling around here already all right other than that uh because i would burn it is the implication Uh, (laughs) thanks garth i get it (laughs) uh but uh yeah I'll be at uh, my first con ever next uh, Saturday, which is called Comic-Con Revolution in Ontario, California. So, um, Well, your, next con- your first con as like a cre- comic creator. Yes, as a creator. Yeah, for sure. Um, so stay tuned for the um, trailer for my comic, uh, which if you can't make the con, you can always order from the link in the description. Uh, other than that, I guess we will see you next Sunday as we continue to unearth yeah. even more obscure media only on Obscurity Now. See you next time. I'm having a weird, weird day. My name's Adam. Where I'm from, I'm known as the Zero Thief. Depending on who you ask, some might say I'm the best thief. But believe it or not, even the best screws up every once in a while. And that's what I did, and I had to make a fast getaway. I ended up crash landing on this bizarre planet. Turns out, I didn't get away fast enough. These winged freaks followed me here. It's just us here, Zero Thief, on this empty backwards planet. So start talking, either to me or my blade. Okay, okay, I do have something to tell you. It's about the planet. It's not that empty. Uh, uh.
Come on, man. I thought you were gonna die. Come on, loose. Cut me loose. Behind you. Whoa. Thought I was done for. It was gonna be a light snack for a snarling creature. But then, she showed up riding on the back of one of those monsters like it was nothing. And with a wave of her hand, the other razor-toothed beast just stomped away. I'd never seen anyone like her before in my life. I thought I'd say something clever. Thanks, uh, have you seen my ship? She gave me a look that said more than words ever could, because I think she was trying to read my mind or something. And from there, things just got even weirder. You've been enjoying Obscurity Now, a podcast that's recorded live to tape and streamed to Twitch and YouTube. Subscribe so you never miss an episode or hilarious quip. Take us with you by following the download links provided in the show notes to wherever you get podcasts. And take notice of our various social media links. If that's what you're into, I'm not here to judge. And make sure you join us live next week at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific as we continue to discuss more obscure media only on Obscure Now.